1: Thank you for joining us and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my amazing service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, Working Dogs and Working Animals. And today we're so excited to be talking with Stacy Beers, and Stacy is the Victim Services Coordinator and Crisis Response K9 Handler with the FBI Victim Services Division, um, which is a part of the Terrorism and Special Jurisdiction Unit. So Stacy's going to talk with us about the work she does with her fabulous Crisis Response K9, Wally. So, come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Stacy Beers and Wally to the show.
0: Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to DynaVite for help.
2: Order a 90 day supply of DynaVite. DynaVite is. Nutrition.
0: Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, get the third bottle
2: free. New improved Lico Chops with omega 3, omega 6, vitamin E,
0: and now six extra direct fed microbials.
2: Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free at DynaVite.com. dot D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E. oh. com.
0: Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited to have Stacy Beers and Wally with us today. Hello, Stacy and Wally, and welcome.
2: Hi, thank you, Marcy.
1: Yeah, we're so excited that you guys could be with us today to talk about the amazing work that you're doing. And so, start out, Stacy, by telling our listeners what is your job. What is the Victim Services Coordinator um, with the FBI? What do you do?
2: So in my role as the Victim Services Coordinator in the Terrorism and Special Jurisdiction Unit, I'm responsible for working with American citizens and their family members who have been victimized in a federal crime when it occurs outside of the United States. And so, you know, oftentimes these federal crimes include terrorist events. And so our role is to inform them of their rights, assist them with any services that they may need, providing resources, and being able to provide updates and information to them as the case progresses.
1: Wow, that's awesome. That's a, that's a pretty serious role, Stacy. Yeah, so how did you decide to bring a canine into that role? How did that happen?
2: So a few years ago, our Assistant Director, Catherine Terman, visited several Canadian law enforcement agencies, and they had canines actually placed with their police officers to assist victims of crime. She noted that several of these agencies really used these canines well, with people experienced in traumatic events, and so she spoke to the FBI leadership about this, and they were supportive of the concept, and they have been ever since. And our program began officially in October 2015, so we're we're getting up to our third year here, which we're very excited about.
1: Wow! So, did they just come to you? What did you think when they first asked you if you wanted to be a canine handler?
2: Well, I was going to be the backup handler. We were only going to get one canine. And I was going to be the backup handler for Giovanni, who is our second crisis response canine, I should say our other, because we got them at the same time. And so I was going to be his backup. And after we started talking to several of the Assistance Dogs International groups, they thought that based on the work that we were doing, that one dog really wouldn't be enough. And so then I parlayed into being a primary handler and I'm also the backup handler for Geo and Melody Tittle who is the primary handler for Geo is obviously the backup for Wally too. So it was really kind of exciting to get both dogs together because we've kind of been able to work together in, in piloting this program. It's brand new for the FBI and we're very excited to kind of pioneer it here.
1: Yeah, it is so exciting. Well, and I love that you mentioned you guys reached out to Assistance Dogs International. So tell us about that, Stacey, and how did you go about finding an agency? Because you got the dogs from an agency, right?
2: That's correct. We did. Yes. So we reached out to several different assistance dogs international groups. We're not allowed to accept gifts. And so a lot of times when it comes to getting a dog, I know that some of the ADI organizations place the dogs and they don't charge. So we had to be really mindful and careful about it. And we also had to work with an ADI agency that really focused on working with victims of trauma and doing crisis response work. And so we were able to narrow it down to Assistance Dogs of the West, and they partnered with us to pilot our program.
1: Yeah, and full disclosure, our listeners know that Lovey is from Assistance Dogs of the West, so I know how amazing they are. So, yeah, so that was really cool that you guys did that process of going through Assistance Dogs International, which, as many of our listeners know, they are the organization that really sets the industry standards for assistance dogs. So, that was such a a good methodical process that you guys really used. So, when you connected with Assistance Dogs of the West. What was the process then, Stacey, and how long did it take before you guys actually got Geo and Wally?
2: So when we met with them, they actually interviewed us um, and asked us, like, what would we be doing with the dogs? What was our vision? Kind of how we saw the, the canines utilized. So we interviewed with them and spent a couple days with them, and they watched us handle some other dogs. And then we actually came back to our agency and talked about that and reviewed like what our vision was and then we actually went back to see them several months later and met with them and they actually then had Wally NGO at the time and partnered them with us to see how we interacted with them and they actually matched the canines to us. People often think that we pick the dogs, but we don't. The canines are matched with the handlers by the ADI accredited agency.
1: That's so cool. And so did you guys go through a training at that point with Assistance Dogs of the West? Because I know they usually do a week-long placement training. Did you guys do that?
2: So, we received intensive training, and when anybody asks us, like, what that training was like, I explain that it was like learning a new language, <laughs> because <laughs> even if you've had a dog in the past, it's very different kind of training. It's about positive reinforcement. You know, if we look at Wally and Gio and say the word no to them, they don't know what that means, and it doesn't <laughs> mean because we don't need to correct them. It's just not in their vocabulary. We It's redirecting, and it's giving them positive reinforcement. So, they came to, ADW came to the FBI, and worked with us for nine intensive days, and they were able to see where we work, the work that we do, uh, because it really helped them when they placed the canine to know what commands we we'll were using a lot more. And so each year, um, we're recertified by ADW, and it's gone really well.
1: Wow, that's so great. Well, it's so nice that they could come to you and be in your environment so that they could really see what Wally and Gio were encountering. And I love that they don't know the word no. That's lovey as well. When I say no, she's like, what? (laughs) <laughs> I <know. laughs> yeah, I love that positive reinforcement. It, it's such a different approach yeah. to how back in the day, how training was done. So I think that's so great, not only for the dogs, but also for the handlers. So once you went through that training, when did you actually start working them in your agency?
2: So we started working them in our agency in October of 2015. We had them here for a number of months and then their first big deployment was the San Bernardino case at the Inland Regional Center that occurred in December of 2015 and that's when they really went into action <laughs> so yeah and it's been quite busy ever since
1: Wow. So so you had to travel with them and then you had to be on site during that very, very intense crisis situation. Yes. Wow. So how long were you guys actually deployed and on the ground in California?
2: I want to say around 10 days. It was about 10 days. And they did a great work with victims of that trauma, the community, as well as the first responders. So we did a lot of work with them in the Family Assistance Center, hospitals. We utilized them at site visits, the briefings that law enforcement had with the families, and they really showed their true skills at that moment.
1: Yeah, boy. Well, 10 days is a long time to be in that type of intense situation. So, wow, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, so boy, you guys did hit the ground running if you went into that kind of situation. So do you mostly respond to those kinds of mass incidents or they do other work with you in your day-to-day work
0: too, right?
2: Yes, they do other day-to-day work with us as well. So we certainly do respond to mass casualty events around the United States. We also work with them when we have crimes against children case or any kind of crime involving a vulnerable victim, and that could be a person with a disability or certainly someone that's elderly that needs some assistance. And so we use them, you know, really in different scenarios. We've used them in hostage reintegration cases in the reunification process. Uh, we've also uh, utilize them with large scale cases like our bank robberies or home invasions and things like that. So it really does cross over quite a bit with our daily work.
1: Yeah. So tell us about what a normal day looks like, a work day for them. How do they go about their work day?
2: So we're always response ready because we never know you know you know when the next you know event's going to happen. So they always have a go-bag packed for them, and we always make sure that, you know, we're ready as well. Every day when we come in, we make sure that they're groomed, their teeth are brushed, their nails are clipped. Like, we make sure that their physical, I guess, well-being is, is primary, and so... Always checking them out, and so then we, you know, we go along. Sometimes we have appointments throughout the day, whether it's a child forensic interview. Or sometimes we have a briefing in the evening for victims of large scale cases. So it really does depend. Sometimes we have events where the FBI asks us if we could be there because most people love dogs and they're really curious about the work that we do. And frankly, it gives us an opportunity to talk about the Victim Services Division within the FBI because most people don't realize that. We do have a division that supports crime victims of federal offenses, and so it gives us an opportunity to talk about not only the FBI, but our specialized division and really inform the community.
1: Yeah, that's so wonderful. So how do the dogs really interact with the people that you're serving? Do they sit with them? Do they tell us about, Stacey, how they interact with them?
2: You know, what I found with Wally and Geo is they're incredibly polite and they respect boundaries and those unspoken boundaries. And so our approach is not to go up to somebody and say, hey, would you like to interact with our dog? Would you like to pet the dog? What we generally see is, you know, visual engagement where they'll want to engage and then we will certainly ask, you know, but we don't know if people have allergies, if they have fears, you know, that we do not, we're really cognizant of the cultural issues as well. And so we just don't want to push our dogs on people. So a lot of times what we'll do is we will engage with the victim directly and ask if this is something that they're interested in, if they make eye contact with us. A lot of times we partner with our victim specialists. We have... 153 victim specialists across our 56 field offices and so if we're doing some kind of a response with them they will go in and meet with the victim first and say hey we have this tool we have these facility dogs is this something that you would be interested in and they kind of do the introduction and the assessment before Melody and I actually go in.
1: That's so great. I love that approach where it is so non-invasive, which is so important when you're working with people, especially in stressful situations. And right. you mentioned also that the child forensic interviews. Tell us how Wally and Gio would work in that situation because so that's usually, pretty intense.
2: Yeah, it is actually. And we do some great work with the child advocacy centers. We're piloting it right now in our um, Northeast region. And what we normally do is we do a pre-meet, obviously, with the child and their caregiver before they go into the actual interview. And sometimes the dogs do go into the actual interview if the forensic interviewer is comfortable. We put them in a down stay. Most of the time, the biggest issue we have to worry about is the snoring that the dogs do <laughs> from time to time. And so um, but the child would sit on the floor with the canine as well as the interviewer. And then they, they interact and then afterwards they can certainly interact with Wally or Geo afterwards, you know, we really leave it up to the forensic interviewer. Sometimes canines can be distracting in an interview. Sometimes they're a comfort. So it really is up to the forensic interviewer as to where and when and how they want to use the canines in their interviews.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that where it could be, but that's so great. And I love that about the snoring. I know that <laughs> that is something that can be an issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come back because we have a lot more questions to ask Stacy. So
0: come right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Kitty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat one oh one or use coupon code CAT one oh one to get twenty percent off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio, Pet Life Radio, Pet Life Radio.com. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're talking today with Stacy Beers from the FBI Victim Services Division about the incredible work that she is doing with Wally, and also that Geo is doing. We don't want to forget Geo. So yeah. So before our break, you mentioned a term, Stacy, that I, I want to ask you about, and that was the term "facility dog." And a mm-hmm. lot of people aren't familiar with that. Can you tell us the difference? What is a facility dog, and how is that different from a service dog?
2: So a service dog is a dog that performs a service for a person. Facility dogs are a little bit different in that they're purposely bred for this type of work. They may be trained in the same vein as service dogs or support animal-assisted intervention. You know, certainly Wally and Gio's basic training started at eight weeks of age, and it was very specialized to working with persons with disabilities. But then after they know where they're going to be placing the canines, then they really do hone in on the specialized training that they need. So, for example, Wally and Geo, actually were exposed to a lot of stimulation. They need to be in an environment with a lot of people, a lot of emotion, a lot of energy. And so, you know, ADW knew that and really did work very hard to get Wally and Geo exposed to those situations in order for them to be placed with us.
1: Yeah. I can only imagine, I mean, with all the noises and the smells and the all the different things that, that they would be exposed to in those types of situations that you've been describing for us. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and so tell us as you've brought Wally and Geo into your work environment and into you and incorporated into your job description, have you had any challenges, Stacey, with that?
2: You know, I'll just say that it's been a real honor. I've been in victim services for, this is my 26th year, and, you know, I've seen the work of facility dogs in the past, and I've seen the work of therapy dogs in the past. But, you know, being able to be on this end of the leash and be part of it is a a whole different experience. Uh, They've opened doors in a lot of situations that, may have been a difficult situation, but they give us easy access to victims and decision-makers, which has been really, really helpful. I will say that if I had to say that there was one challenge, it would be that, you know, normally we take a break to take them out to the bathroom. We could get in and out of this building in about mm, probably 10 minutes. Well, not so much with Wally and Gio. You usually have to double the time. You have to be aware um, when you're going to a meeting, you need to leave way in advance because you get stopped in the hallway. And I've never had so many people smile at me since I had Wally on my hip since October of 2015. So, <laughs> and, you know, it's a challenge when you're in a hurry to get them outside to go to the bathroom or uh, things like that. But yeah, that's what yeah. I would say the challenges are. <laughs>
1: yeah, I would agree with you. I know that's what I said is there's no more just rent into the grocery store to grab milk, not when you have an assistance dog with you because They are so gorgeous and beautiful that people are going to stop you. Yes. Yes. True. And I'm sure you probably feel like a celebrity a little bit being with Wally.
2: (laughs) Not so much. I say he's he's really, you know, he's the gift and, you know, the tool that we can use with victims. So I'm happy to stay in the background and just be on the end of the leash caring for him to make sure that victims are, are getting served and are enjoying what he brings.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, tell us about an experience that you've had where you think Wally really made a big impact in your work with someone.
2: I can think of one of the the first things that comes to mind, you know, what we know about the canine human bond is that they're unbiased and they don't judge people. And even though we are all trained and, you know, it's innate in a lot of victim advocates to not be biased and to be non-judgmental, sometimes it comes through in the way that we might sit or the way we may talk to somebody or gesture. But Wally and Geo are incredibly unbiased. They can go into situations and they're just pure. And so I can tell you when we were responding to the Pulse nightclub attack in Orlando, obviously there were some cultural sensitivities. You have LGBT community. You also had Latino community. And so we had situations where we had some of the victims who were not out to their families, and they were really fearful of seeking services. And there was this one in particular case where a young man came in for services after being, frankly, homebound for a number of days. He was afraid to come in, and when he came in, I was walking throughout the Family Assistance Center, and he collapsed on the floor, and he um, sobbed into Wally's coat. And I actually, you know, was not prepared for that because that had not happened to me in the past with Wally, and really just sat there, and I was just present with him, and I didn't say a word. Wally basically did everything just by his mere presence. And after a few moments, this young man stood up and he was able to partner with one of our victim specialists to actually go through the Family Assistance Center and receive a lot of the needed services that he he actually came for. The ironic part of this is that several days later, Melody and I were at a community event with Wally and Gio, and we, we hear this, Wally, Gio, and we're thinking, who's mm-hmm. calling the dogs? And it was this young man. And he was out in the community with his friends, being able to acclimate, um, being back out in his support system. And so that will always stick with me forever in handling Wally, because it was incredibly meaningful for him, and I was just so honored to witness it.
1: Oh, Stacy. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Wow. Boy, if that doesn't get you out of bed in the morning with Wally and to get those teeth brushed, I don't know what would. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, right? I mean it making is. that impact. Wow. That is so that's fabulous. Well, I know that a lot of other victim advocates are really thinking about adding a K-9 to their victim service organization. I know that's becoming more and more popular. What advice, Stacey, would you have for other advocates who may be thinking about adding a K-9?
2: I would advise them to really give some thought about, you know, who they're going to be partnering their crisis response canine with. You know, it is a lot of work. And, you know, if there's other duties assigned to that person, sometimes that can be a real challenge. They need to be response ready at any moment. So they need to be in good health. You need to be able to have them bathed. You need to be able to have their nails clipped, their teeth brushed. So they really need to be ready to go. The other thing is I would advise advocates to ensure that their agency has an approved canine policy in existence prior to actually receiving the CRC, which is a crisis response canine, because the policies really are helpful when it outlines handler expectations, compensation, working life, retirement process, and also the expenses associated with with the canine.
1: Yeah, it is a lot of responsibility to take that on. And I'm so glad you're bringing up those things. Did you guys develop those policies yourselves or did ADW help you develop that policy?
2: So the FBI has an overarching canine policy. And we're working on fitting in with the the overarching canine policy, which actually is going through review as we speak.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I would think that they would have a canine policy because they use dogs in so many different capacities. But yeah, yeah but but these two are new to that pack. Yep, yep, that's mm-hmm. a whole a whole different thing. Well, I also want to ask you, Stacey, what do you think is the greatest lesson that you've learned from Wally?
2: I think it's patience because in our office in the Victim Services Division, you know, we often react to, you know, a case, whether it's a large-scale case, whether it's a, a case involving one or two victims, and so we're always ready to go. But I think that what Wally's taught me is to actually sit back, plan, and be patient with the process. And so, you know, if we're working long hours, it's okay to take a break at four hours. You know, Wally will go, go, go. And so I have to tap him out because he won't tell me when he needs a break. Geo, he will signal us a little bit differently so we can track when he needs a break. But Wally has really helped me certainly learn patience and quite frankly, do some amazing work with crime victims.
1: Yeah. Well, and so what does he get to do when when you give him a break? What does that look like when you're deployed?
2: So, what we normally do is I take him off harness and then he loves a tennis ball, especially if it's squeaky. So... That is a big thing. And what I normally do is if there's a first responder around, I will have that first responder maybe take a break with me and throw the tennis ball with Wally because what the first <laughs> responder may not realize is that they might need a break. And um, it really gives them a venue to you know experience some of the joy that he brings as well.
1: Yeah. I was wondering about that. Like those 10 days that, that you guys were deployed, how many hours do you work, Wally? What is a work day look like in that situation. Is it 8 hours? Is it 12 hours? What kind of work day do you guys have?
2: It can vary depending on the needs. So it really does vary, you know, it depends what kind of setting we're in. It depends if we can do shift work. It really really depends. So it does vary. It's hard to say what the actual the time frame is.
1: Yeah, that I that can be really tough. Like you said, it it depends. Wow. And how is Wally as a traveler? Because you guys have to fly across country to get to these things. So how is that for Wally?
2: Wally loves it. He is actually (laughs) in front of the seat before I can even put the bag up above our heads. He is curled up like a cat. I can't believe a 70-pound Labrador Retriever can curl up in such a tight ball and he is sleeping before we even take off. So, Gio and Wally are really, they're great travelers. <laughs>
1: yeah, so. that's all part of that training, right? It's, it's it amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate your point about really making sure that an uh, advocacy organization works with a really credible organization who has done the training and who has, has the information that they need because I've seen other dogs, you know, that haven't had that training and, and it's very different.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, so do you guys have, if our listeners want to get more information about you guys, Stacey, do Wally and Gio have a Facebook page or do you guys have a website? How could our listeners, especially victim advocates who may want to get more information, how could they reach out to you and Melody?
2: So what I would suggest is, on the uh, if they go on the FBI.gov website, there is actually a video and information about Wally and Geo. And so if they just go into the search engine on FBI.gov and type in Wally and Geo, there is a video and information on that website.
1: Perfect. Okay, that's wonderful. Well, you guys are just beyond amazing. We can't thank you enough for being with us, Stacey, and for sharing this incredible work and this whole new, you know, as I always say, as our our listeners hear me say all the time, I think we are just at the tip of the iceberg of what dogs can really do for us. And you guys are demonstrating that in this new role as crisis response canines. So just cannot thank you guys enough. And I hope you'll come back and tell us more about the work as you guys grow grow. And are you guys thinking of adding more dogs, Stacy, or are you right now just with the two?
2: Right now we're just with the two because we continue to pilot, but you know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could see you guys having a lot more dogs, so you'll have (laughs) to keep us posted and come back and visit with us again, but just can't thank you guys enough for being with us today.
2: Sure. Thank you, Marcy.
1: And thank you, our listeners. We love to hear from you. So please keep those emails coming. And you know, I love to hear your ideas for future shows because as you know, we certainly listen to those and we'll try our best to get your recommendations and your guests on the show. And I also invite you to, again, follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're having so much fun connecting with you on all these social media outlets so please stay in touch we love seeing your photos of your working dog and the incredible work that they're doing every day so thanks so much for being with us and take good care
0: let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com